Hello and welcome to this episode of Better Off Red. <laughs> I forgot what my name was. My name is Pip Adam and um, this is episode 81 which means that it's the ninth in our 10 part sound series where I talk to writers and artists about their work in relations to the sounds they have chosen. So um, yeah this means that this is the last one of our conversation episodes in this sound series. So I just wanted to take some time to um, say thank you so much to everyone who's been a guest on the podcast. Um, the conversations have just been so good. Um, they've blown my mind they've made me think about things in whole different ways and I just really appreciate um, your generosity of thought and your wisdom and yeah thanks so much for that I also wanted to obviously thank Creative New Zealand Toi Aotearoa um, for um, the financial backing for this project um, it's been great to be able to um, pay the guests and it's been great to be able to pay myself so that I can prioritize some of this work I, I really appreciate that thank you very much um, I'd also like to thank Brent McIntyre who um, wrote and gifted the music that you hear throughout the series and throughout Better Off Red always so thank you Brent um, and I just wanted to also thank James Woods who um, has acted as sort of a um, sound engineering mentor I think I think that's a good way to call it um, he's helped me um, yeah it helped me sort of develop my skills a little bit more and has also spent some great uh, I've spent some great time with him um, where he's explained some of the basics of sound which have just sort of yeah that, that I just really appreciate his time and again um, his knowledge um, yeah I just love that so many of these people have spent so much time learning these things and then they so freely want to talk about them so yeah thanks everybody now all that aside, we have an excellent, excellent, excellent episode for you now. Um, I talk to Cassandra Barnett and Luke Buddha in this episode. And um, yeah, I just, I enjoyed it so much. I was just listening to it now, editing it and man, so good. Um, so Cassandra chooses a late night, early morning recording that you'll be able to hear as part of the podcast. And Luke also chooses um, sort of a sound that might be more associated with afternoons. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's a fantastic episode and I really hope you enjoy it. Um, other things that you might be interested in, um, we have a playlist. I always say we, but it's really only me. I'm sitting by myself with my dog in my room um, but yeah it doesn't we sound great it sounds like I've got a corporation behind me anyway I have started a Spotify playlist it's called Better Off Red Sound Series um, and what I've tried to do with that is capture um, songs and stuff that people have talked about during the um, podcast so it's not necessarily the work that people chose to talk about but it's just um, yeah, it, it's perhaps they mentioned something in passing and I've tried to put it there. It's an eclectic and exciting um, listen. I, it's, it's fast becoming one of my favourite um, playlists because, um, yeah, it sort of does this thing where it goes from slint to um, the Ronettes and then back to the Cocteau Twins. It's very cool. Um, there will be an exercise at the end of this episode. Um, the deadline for submitting audio for the showcase is Thursday the 24th of September. You can probably have until Friday the 25th of September. Um, I would love it, love it, if you could send me some stuff. You can email it to me at betterrednz at gmail.com. If you go to our website, better-red.com, there's information about how to um, submit audio work. Um, yeah, I think that's all I've got. I'm extremely 
extremely grateful. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this episode. Awesome. Okay, right. Here we are. It's very nice to see you both. Thank you so much for um, coming up to Toy Pool Nikki today. Um, how are you today, Luke? I'm good. Thank you very much. That's mm-hmm. very good. No yes. strange experiences at the barber <laughs> to speak of at all today. None. Cassandra, how about you? Um, I'm also very well, thank you. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. It's so great to have you both here. Um, what I was wondering is if we could start um, with both of you um, just introducing yourselves. I don't know which one of you would like to begin. Do you mind Cassandra starting? No, sure. Okay. Kia ora, um, he uri ahau no Raukawa ki Wharepuhunga, um, so I'm from Raukawa in the Waikato region near Putaruru, um, and I'm also um, descended from the Irish, Scottish, English, etc. And I live in Ngaio in Wellington, and I grew up in Tāmaki. Oh, wow. Um, Yep, and my son also... um, has a dad from Africa, Rwanda, so um, yep, we're a highly multicultural household. <laughs> uh, and um, yep, I'm a writer when I'm not a mother. Awesome. <laughs> or all the time, I'm both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, that could be something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I relate, I relate. <laughs> Luke, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, hello, I am uh, Luke uh, Wukash Buddha. Um, I'm from Poland. Um, I am a musician. Awesome. So nice to have you both here. Um, and both of you have done an awesome thing for me and have bought sounds. And um, it's quite exciting because both these sounds, I feel, are exceptionally evocative to me. And um, I wonder if we could just talk a little bit about why this was the sound you chose and any like I don't know like anything else you want to tell us about the sound like the nature of the recording of it or how you found it or that sort of thing do you want to start Luke yeah sure um I I choosing things is quite hard I Mm, find mm. so I actually had a moment of panic after I agreed to it of then going oh my god I have to actually find something that is you know worthy of of, of talking about and um, I had some other silly ideas um, I don't know if you know but the Fisher and Paykel washing machine plays the New Zealand national anthem if you hold down the <laughs> on button for long long enough Cassandra and I are just looking at each other with what? wide eyes we did not know that <laughs> no. yes this is good information yeah no. it does do that or at least the model that we used to have but then I was like well that's just kind of silly and I don't know how much we can actually talk about that uh, and then I thought about um the Basilica of St. Francis de Assisi um, is full of tourists, but it says silence. Mm. But inevitably the, vo- the noise goes up and there's a priest that sits in there with a microphone who, like, every time the volume goes up, he goes, Silence! <laughs> Silencio! <laughs> but I couldn't find a recording. Just couldn't find it. Like the only things that I could find were like tourist videos with funky beats that make you want to go to Italy. Anyway, um, so anyway, I've sort of ended up with a sound which I kind of think personally the sound itself, just because there is no element of mystery to it at all, 
it's so familiar. I sort of find that it's kind of a bit, I thought it was a bit boring. Mm, mm. Then you were like, it's interesting that you find that boring. So now I'm scared of calling it boring. <laughs> but um, I kind of thought it was a boring sound, but I thought that there was a bit to talk about with it because of um, what it does to me when I hear it, if I'm by myself at my house and there's no other sounds and I hear this sound echoing around the neighborhood and what how that what that sound does it's not I, I don't know about how it makes me feel but what it does to I don't know it triggers something mm, mm, mm. memory And I think as far as things, oh, I don't even know how to go into it, Cassandra, but I was thinking your, your sound also, um, it sort of triggered some stuff in me. And I just wonder, like, yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about what it is and how you chose it? Sure. And yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I also, like Luke, was a little bit freaked out at having to come up with the sound. Um, and meanwhile, I was having my regular 3 a.m. insomnia. Um, mm. and one night lying there at 3am with the wind rushing around because I live in a valley and it rushes around a lot, I was thinking, oh, I should just record Tafiti and try and capture this midnight 3am, which is not only insomnia, which sounds like a negative thing, but actually also my kind of creative brain buzzing, like let's get up and write poetry kind of time. Mm, mm. Uh, so there's something very sort of uh, deep and ineffable and I don't know I was thinking about that and as I was sort of fumbling out for my phone to start trying to record the wind and starting to record it of course guess what else happened (laughs) (laughs) my son started calling me and then I was just instantly like oh no that's it that's real (laughs) there's nothing realer than that (laughs) um so yeah I just had to record that um and it's so visceral for me just night after night his voice it's a summons and it just goes all the way in and activates all my cells as you said earlier, Pip, you know, you just have to get up. Mm. Um, even though half of you is fighting it so hard. <laughs> yep. And I did ask his permission. I played it to him later and he thought it was hilarious and said, yes, mum, play that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. He's so cool. He's such an awesome He person. has no shame, no guilt. <laughs> <laughs> I sound great. Yeah. And he does. He sounds amazing. No shame and no guilt. You've done a great job. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that is the perfect parenting. <laughs>
What I think is quite interesting and just occurred to me, like when you're talking about this 3 a.m. sort of creative moment, and Luke, your noise, I associate more with the daytime. And when you say by yourself at home, I have this idea that you're always making music at home, which Mm. is, I don't know if that's true, but I wonder... Like it's reasonably is, true, actually. Oh, yeah, good. I'm glad. Like that. So, what does it mean when you hear this noise if you are creating? I usually don't notice sounds if I'm down in the garage because I have so much sound happening. Mm, mm. So, it has to be much louder than that. Like maybe when we had three diggers working next door, <laughs> sort of three meters away from me, I noticed that. Yeah. Um. So I don't really hear the lawnmower if I'm in my studio. Mm. So is it more that, um, I really liked that thing you were talking about, about the memories that it sparks. Do you Are you willing to share some of the memories that it sparks? Well, the thing is, it does a really weird thing. I think it doesn't necessarily bring up anything specific. It does. I don't really know how to describe it, but it feels like all of a sudden I'm connected to all the times in my life that I've been, and often it would be, staying home from school right and just being alone at my house in Miramar my parents house in Miramar and because that's a va- like everywhere in Wellington's a valley right so it's like everything mm. echoes so mm. I so it's like the sound of lawnmowers and actually the sound of children playing at lunchtime mm. at school is another mm. sound that mm. does the same thing and uh yeah so there's not really specific memories it's more like I'm f- suddenly kind of connected to every one of those instances of that moment or, or something. And it's quite a weird mm. feeling. Yeah, it, yes, in the last episode, uh, um, Anna um, um, Smale talked a little bit about the noise of a house when you have, you know, and we were talking about how the noise of a house changes and I was thinking nothing seems as changeable as the noise that um, perhaps young people that we live with from baby to growing up. And I was just wondering, like, when you listen to that out of context, like when you listen to um, the call out of context, this idea that Luke's talking about of kind of like this telescoping of time, is there anything that happens as far as time goes with that call? Like, does it bring back earlier noises or sounds that small people make or um well I think you're right like Luke you mentioned the was it you Luke (laughs) the younger (laughs) babies cry or yeah Mm. and um I think that what's enduring is the body response of me the parent Mm, mm. and whether it's the baby's cry or the currently eight-year-old um and I suspect forevermore the cry of the child to especially to a parent um, does something to your body that's mm. really visceral and um, it's just, it shunts me back there every time, every time I'm just there again. And I kind of, you know, I've been thinking about it since recording it and how um, it's like an interruption to everything else. Like it's an interruption to my 3am being with Tafiri, being creative mode. Uh, but at the same time, it is everything. Mm, mm. So it's a complete reality check perspective shift like you thought that was important no this is important (laughs) um and that feeling that kind of bodily corrective Mm. um is the enduring thing I have from 
all my child's cries, mm. you know, the sound of it changes. But that sense of the summons that I can't help but respond to just is there like forever now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And this, I mean, this is something that I've been interested from the start of making this podcast and um, I'm always really grateful. Well, I've been dying to talk to you about it, Luke, actually. Like this idea that there is a body response to sound and I get a sense that musically when notes resonate at different levels, there's a different kind of body response. And I'm thinking about, I don't even know, this may not be a question you're interested in answering, but I'm interested that often with your music, there may be sort of an upbeat music and a downbeat lyric, you know what I mean? Like there might, you know, like, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? See, because I don't there's know. Quite a lot of, there's quite a lot of... Um, Questions and that. Oh well, take anyone you like. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but um, like for example, the lawnmower. Mm. I don't find that to be a particularly irritating sound, right? I mm. think that mm. that's got something to do with the timbre of it. If it was a more, I think it's it's high pitched sounds that get in to your brain. I think. Um, I don't really know my... I'm sure there's a science to it. Mm, mm. I mean, low rumbles. Well, it depends. I was going to say are more comforting, but actually sometimes they're terrifying mm. too, aren't, aren't they? I don't really... Because it's been interesting even just talking to people because I thought, like, I... What really um, floats my boat is, you know, increasing tone that reaches a point where it's uncomfortable. Like, that's kind of what I'm always listening for. But it was really interesting because other people were saying bass You're is more... always listening for the moment where the tone <laughs> reaches an uncomfortable... Oh, yeah. I hope this is going to get louder until it's uncomfortable. Yes! I, yes, I now feel <laughs> disgusting. I want to vomit. Hurrah! Um, whereas other people were saying that, that low noises there, kind of crack cocaine, and then other people... It's really interesting wow. talking to people about what, where the discomfort lies because like that low bone rattling but you know I'm not sure anyone's ever said oh that mid-range you know I don't like that or maybe I'm I don't know mm. like yeah I don't know but do you think like do you think oh god this is gonna be such a dumb question but I'm gonna ask it anyway because dumb questions are often interesting um do you hear a tune and then put a lyric to it or do you have a lyric and then put a tune to it yeah, I find lyrics really hard, so it's always tune. No, actually, probably 2% of the time it's not tune first. Everything else is tune tune first. Mm, mm. Yeah. I think I, I just find in m music more than like sound. I mean, I know music is a sound, but it's, it's different. That we're gonna, we could really go deep into that too, but um, I think I'm looking for comfort, really. Mm. So um, that's where it always comes from, prob pro probably. I think it's an escape, and just surrounding yourself with a sound that pleases you. And like, do you think that? Um, oh my god, that kind of has just blown my mind a little bit. Like, because I was thinking about what is comfortable, and I think. Cassandra, you're often often looking at um, well, not often. It's just that I absolutely adore this article you wrote about a sound installation in Auckland, and um, I'm just wondering when we experiment, when we experience those kind of sonic arts, 
And there is, comfort I think is a really interesting word when it comes to noise and sound. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, um, it's interesting because a lot of, um, you know, what occurs in the sonic arts um, can be what in other contexts you might call white noise, Mm. you know, might be just noise. Um, But of course it's all composed so that there's an experience and a journey and all this visceral stuff going on, sensation. Um, And it's definitely, I guess, an acquired taste because uh, for many people it's not comforting enough because there's not enough familiarity in the structures and the musical compositional approach and all, you know, this familiarity of what we think music ought to sound like in terms of a normative mainstream, you know. I guess it's not that comforting. But for me, um, first of all, in fact, I think for everyone, babies onwards, white noise is comforting. Mm, white mm, noise is mm. very comforting. Uh, and indeed, it's my kind of, I like to put white noise on to then write. It just zones everything really, really. out and I get in the zone and um, it does something to my brain so I can focus. Mm. Um, so there's that. And at the same time, um, my whole experience as a mum has been that I have to let go of comfort. I have to let go of being in that zone. There is no being in the zone. There's only constant interruption. And how do you make that instead be your creative place? Mm. How can you harness that? Uh, Sounds a little bit utilitarian, but how can you work with your child and their needs and their reality um, and still feel like you're creatively... um, existing in the world mm. you know mm. uh, so I don't know it's not very comforting anymore <laughs> but mm. I'm trying to find the place of creativity in that constant discomfort mm. yeah which is sort of quite close to something like love I think mm. Mm. yeah sorry yeah. I don't know if that is a major segue but <laughs> I really love it I, I think I think that it's so true and this is what I think I'm trying to like I'm I'm very interested in this idea that sound and music might be different and I'm thinking about um this idea that someone once told me this I don't know if it's true that there's like this lizard brain that's expecting the next note to be at a certain place and if it's not there it feels discordant and uncomfortable and I'm thinking about how sometimes I've sort of tried to find that kind of music and that kind of sound experience. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Have you got any thoughts? But I wouldn't um, – I mean, yes, there are in, – in fact, there was even a conversation in the car – in the backseat of the car betwe- after band practice yesterday between our jazz-trained um, people in the band about um, how certain chords want to resolve to a certain other chord um, – diminished theory Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know (laughs) I didn't go I only spent six months at jazz school so I didn't get to diminished theory (laughs) Um, but yeah you know there are obviously there are weak and strong resolutions and that's in fact probably the main sentence I remember that anyone at jazz school saying was there are no wrong notes only weak and strong resolutions (gasps) which I thought was really nice Mm. you can go you can make it just kind of depends where it goes next to how it, it feels, right? So that was, I thought, quite a cool mm. statement. But um, there was a couple of things. You said lots of things that I wanted to. Uh, this is actually almost I want to go back to the sound of your child at some point. 
How about okay, now? I'm just going to say it Yeah, now, just And then go if now. this turns out, if it turns out something, <laughs> like, it's very different now that my son is, is a teenager. I don't really, he doesn't require for me to go to him. So it's not really a summons. In fact, it's often quite the opposite than a summons. <laughs> um, and he has a, he's got a tone in his voice, which I, which I find to be the most aggravating, irritating thing that I can imagine. And there's a particular way where he goes, he's like, right? And it just like, I don't know, I just, within a second, I can go from being at peace in the world to just being just like feeling quite fucked off, just for no real reason other than that he's kind of gone, and I went to see him, this is kind of sad, I went to see him, he was in a Shakespeare performance at his school, and he had to speak in loud Shakespeare voice, and it was the same voice. And it was, he was the first person on the stage and I was sitting there and he ran out and he was like, and I just went like my entire body reacted to it with just feeling, ag I just was immediately aggravated because it was like the sound that disturbs the equilibrium of the house basically, which is not, I mean, I'm way too loud. I do a lot of yelling across the house as well. I'm not painting myself here as some kind of peaceful, <laughs> but he was like, it just was weird. It was like a, it was a reaction, was a physical reaction to the tone of voice of my child. Mm. Different, mm. not a summons, not, he's not a young, but yeah. It's so, mm. I was just thinking about how much information we're getting all the time mm -hmm. through tone and through, you know, and it, I mean, like, I, I don't know anything about psychology, but it seems that as a child comes into adulthood, there should be a sense of moving away, you know what I mean? That that tone is, you know, th there is a degree of separation that needs to happen eventually and how amazing we are as a machine that we go from this noise that feels like we want to go towards it to this noise that makes us want to go away, which I think is so, I don't know, I just I just find it so interesting. Um, I was Probably that that's probably why the kid has to make that move, right? Because the parents probably, it's probably too tough of the parents to kind of go, I will now not pay attention to you, to you. <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah, after I so many years of doing every <laughs> fucking thing <laughs> for you I will now just not mm, no, I think maybe yeah maybe they have to push us away yeah I, mm. I really think oh that God. I don't know like I, I don't know like I know nothing about these things but yeah <laughs> I was just thinking that I just needed to um round out the picture and say that although the summons comes in the nighttime, the daytime is full of pushings away, of oh, course, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. And when I say summons, although the calling of the mother's name is a summons, I actually sort of meant it in that more physical sense of the arousal of the cells of the body, you know, mm. like, and I think even the potentially the pushing away um, sound that you get from your son, it still arouses your body in that way because it's still your son's voice, eh? Mm. And that's something I feel like, that's the connection and that you will never you can, go away. You can tell your kids crying yeah. at the preschool when yep. you're at the preschool mm, and mm, your kid mm. starts crying. You know yep. which one yep. of the yep. 20 screeching yep. toddler voices is mm. your one that's quite, yep. quite you know, trippy. You know, mm. yeah. This, this attunement, uh, like, I'm kind of interested in how 
because I do feel like I do feel like there's something of this, something of the body reaction, something of the way that we learn to listen in families, something about the way we learn to listen, you know, like in our different roles through our life that I think does shift into those sonic arts. And I was thinking capturing those in words is often a tricky thing, you know, like um and even even I think you know it, you know, this thing is meant to sort of take place in a linear amount of time and stop. And I'd like to talk about recording in a minute because I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. But I was just thinking, do you have any thoughts about how to capture that in words in a way that you have in in particularly in that article? Um, I mean, (laughs) to be really kind of dry and boring, I did a PhD that was sort of on a related Mm, subject mm. matter. And in that... I um, banged my head against the problem of how to write about sensory experience in art, including like in fine art, but that including multimedia and sound art, and you know. Um, and I don't have a formula <laughs> in case you want a formula. <laughs> Sorry, yes, please. <laughs> hey, it is me. I don't have a formula. It's more that I really sort of um, dove into all the things that happen in that moment of um, sensory experience, attention to the sensory, and it's like in those in an instant you have a um, material, physical, like message delivered to you through the senses, you know, be it sound waves or light and colour, etc. Um, and what you do with that is partly... Um, label it, recognise it as an object of some kind or other and classify it and put it in its place. Um, But in fact, even before you do that, what you're experiencing is all of its likenesses to all the other things you've ever experienced. And that's kind of how you do that classification thing is by uh, likening it to your own repertoire of experience. And um, what I wanted to do was try and find... Um, kind of I guess pass out those phases of the sensing so that I could say okay I've identified it as this thing but meanwhile I also experienced its likeness to all of these things Um, and without necessarily all of that coming to consciousness and being named but the effects that those other experiences have had on me in the past all ripple through my body Mm, mm, when mm. I encounter this thing that is like them so you have this quite like um, full, rich, deep, multiple experience of many memories or likenesses um, and you begin to select and that will be according to your own personal subjective kind of histories of experiences with them, what resonates for you, what matters, what doesn't matter, what's given meaning in the culture that you live in, all those things, you know. And I wanted to, and failed, but I wanted to be able to um describe those kind of shimmery, reverberating experiences of likeness before they reached object status, Mm, 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 before I could name, oh, it's like this thing or that thing, like before memory had done all that work of identifying, but just the the body effects. So for me, that's quite a lot of verbal stuff, dynamics, sort of cellular dynamics that are happening for me through my senses. Um, so I guess, and I don't know, I I haven't got any, um, I don't know what's right to say about this scientifically or anything, but, um, 
I find I want to reach for the verbs before I go all the way to metaphors of nouns and recognisable objects. But what that means is that I'm always in this quite abstract realm that's still quite alienating for readers um, because people want things they can latch onto. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of a, a dodgy, tricky, shifty kind of game to for me to want to hold back from naming stuff and just trying to, through dynamics and disc- and using a lot of verbs actually to capture the feelings my body's having. But then every now and then drop in a metaphor or a, okay, here's a thing, okay, here's a thing it's like, um, because then the reader can go, aha. <laughs> so that's what I'm sort of trying to do. Because yeah. I, I think that one of the things I love about it is that um, – and this is what I'm quite interested to talk to you about, Luke, is that sometimes I think that we we forget what an amazing thing it is to hear. And I think that what often happens to me with your writing is it's a bit of an interruption in reality and it's a bit of a recontextualizing of this amazing thing. And that's what I was thinking, Luke. The other day I was listening to um, like one of your albums and I was thinking – this is amazing that I can be walking in this reality plane and then put on your music. And, you know, it is. It's like an intervention or an interruption, but I take it for granted. I, I had a similar experience listening to your podcast, oh. Walking Down Outer Street. The other oh. day I was like, whoa, I've got <laughs> Pip's voice you know, in, in my head as I walk. Past. Like, I wonder if she's going to walk out of uh, her street <laughs> any second and I'll be listening to her and she'll be, but she'll be over there. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what what place do you think, this is like the biggest question ever it's like, and you don't have to be held to any answer. What do you think is, what is music for? You know what I mean? Like, the, like not what it's for as a, you know, like what's that all about? But like, what does it do to our lives to have it in our lives? Like, what does it do to your life to have music in your life? Like, I don't know. Is it good? Is it Is bad? Is it good? <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I've, it's beyond good or bad now. <laughs> it just is. Just um, shit, yeah. Um, it's That's actually such a big thing. Yeah. It's almost hard to start because there's so many. One thing that is nice about music is that there doesn't have to be, or sound, is there actually doesn't have to be an in- intellectualized mm. concept whatsoever. It's just a, it is quite a visceral thing, which is kind of what you're talking about. I feel like you're talking about trying to describe the experience or something before you've intellectualized it, basically. And I think that that's quite nice. I think, I think from all I can really talk about is my own experience. Mm, mm. And I think I'm actually highly, very highly strung and highly anxious. Like my 3 a.m. wake ups are not thinking that I'm going to write poetry. It's more like, (laughs) why did I say that when I went to pick up the trade me thing seven years ago to the um, person's partner? That was a bit weird. That's what keeps me up at night, honestly. It's terrible. And I think that um, music for me keeps me, if, a, if, it's, if it's a fully immersive experience, which it often is, and especially because I um, curate m- this, I, I, will, I will listen to the same piece of music a lot. Mm, mm. I think I like experiencing the same um, 
all encompass like it takes i stopped thinking really mm, i mm, guess i stopped mm, thinking mm, about mm. stuff Re- and i think that's really helpful maybe mm. that is that's is that meditation maybe or it's just living in the moment it's just being right there with the sound of the music as opposed to anything else mm. that's when it's at its best mm. and mm. do you think you get the same uh, like when you sorry this is such a question that um I'm sure you get asked a lot but do you get the same when you play music like when you're I mean if I'm it's really good yeah sometimes it's like sometimes when you play music it's like oh I think my I think I think that pedal's set wrong. Oh. I don't, am I, I going to have time between between the next two chords to kneel down and... Oh, shit. <laughs> well, that sounds a bit weird. What's what's going on? <laughs> but if it's working, it's... it's Yeah, it's in the moment. Sometimes you've got to... Sometimes you just got to think about it, right? Mm, mm. Mm. And the other thing, like, both of you, I think, have experienced... Um, making noise as a group, you know, like I was thinking with drumming and also with bands. And I wonder about, is there a difference to working by yourself and working with a band? Well, one thing that, yeah, I mean, huge. Um, there's a, there's definitely a magic that happens between human beings when they make music. And it can be quite an intangible thing because... Um, how to sort of, I don't know, there's a vibration that happens and it may be the same notes and the same sounds, but if I was to record them all individually by myself, playing what's essentially the exact same stuff, it's actually when you listen to it, you're not going to experience it in the same way, most probably, than if there was a group of people. And I don't really know what that is, Mm. But there is some kind of little mystical force that that happens there. I think mm. when when there is a a group of people. Mm. And do you yeah. experience this? Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about this term entrainment, which is like um, I might be misremembering the true definition of the term, and this may be my made up definition. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but like when you become uh, like entrained to a rhythm. So the rhythm exists, let's say some others are playing it, but even if they're not, (laughs) in my kind of mystical imagination, it already exists in the world. And, um, you know, uh, my experience of coming along with a group of drummers to try to play that rhythm with its many components, you know, it's all got to come together to create this seamless meld that is between all the parts. And um, if your body entrains right to the rhythm, then you're in it and you are playing it Mm. and you're not off, you know. Um, And if everyone achieves that entrainment together, then you're in the rhythm. And I really strongly have the sense of the rhythm pre-existing us and us just trying to jump into it. Mm, mm, mm. Like it's a pool, it's a possibility, it's a wave, it's a vibrational field, whatever, that is out there waiting if people would like to go there. (laughs) (laughs) And every now and then we manage to jump into it and when we do manage to that's the magic mm. and you know you'll be i'll be wobbling don't wobbling think about it, don't right think about you're it suddenly you're just in and now the rhythm has you mm. you know mm. it has me and i am just its servant <laughs> uh reproducing it kind of thing uh yeah i'm pretty cosmic about that <laughs> <laughs>
I I relate you know what I mean like I think um I think that probably like I was always told in my life that I couldn't sing so I stayed away from music and like my dad's an extremely good guitarist and would get very frustrated when he tried to teach me anything and so my musical thing was more dancing and I think that I've had that in dancing I think I've had it where I don't need to look at anyone you know I know that we're together on it and I think that it is it is one like what you're saying Luke like it's one of those moments that seem to just calm everything and take me to a different place which I think is just I, I mean it's pretty amazing that we get this thing you know like it's pretty incredible um I'm thinking like all these ideas they're, they're kind of leading me to this question Luke to talk about film music and like film Music, I don't think that's what you call it, do you? It's a soundtrack. I don't know. Oh, it's a score. <laughs> film, film music is <laughs> film music is acceptable. <laughs> I've invented a whole new um, Oscar. You can win for film, film music, music now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it seems to be a lot about, um, and I, 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 I was talking to David Long a little bit about this, like it seems a little bit to be talking to people about mood. Like mm. it seems to be a little bit, like often you'll see, oh, the rain is coming down. It's very nice. Oh my gosh, we've got sirens, we've got rain. Um, but like it often seems to be saying to people, you know, this visual and this is the mood that needs to come with this visual. And I'm wondering, what's the experience of um, sort of working in that way? Like, uh, it's well, yeah. It, I mean, it's absolutely laying out how the audience is supposed to feel. Yeah, yeah. And but it's got to do it so you don't notice. Yeah. <laughs> because once you start <laughs> noticing, especially big sweeping Hollywood str strings, you're just like. Ugh, you know, <laughs> oh wow, it's so romantic and so sad. I'm crying and I hate myself, <laughs> you know, for it. But, um, yeah, well, film music is an interest, is, it's quite interesting actually because um, I think that the trend now for it, like at this moment, is actually pretty abstract. So, like what you were kind of talking about. It's sort of sculpting sound as like there's not if I, I've been listening to Johan Johansson um, and uh, it's pretty abstract. There's mm. not much m like melody. It's mostly like I don't know quite not necessarily white noise, but definitely um, like it's it's I don't know connected to that contemporary noise sound out thing i think mm. um sculpting synths mm. and things like that um i don't know it's just another it's i don't have any i don't think i've got anything particularly profound to say about that other than you know working do it, creating a piece of music for my own spiritual fulfillment or whatever is pretty different to working mm. to someone else's specifications trying to make something work and i'll j i like the aspects of it that are like it's a little bit of an exercise of cr craft mm. you know like mm. actually it's not just about following your nose as to what sounds cool you actually have to be thinking about what you're doing and using the tools and skills in a very particular way and sometimes it's really hard mm. and sometimes okay I, I'll get sp I'll get a little bit more specific here 
although this is probably just nerdy to film score, there are two uh, two very different types of film score, and I can give you... I did a Netflix cartoon, and it was not cool, and the music was not cool, and the music had to be 100% prescriptive to what was happening on the screen. So that means fat character walks, it's a tuba. The tuba goes bomb, 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 bomb. There's someone's running, you know, like it's someone falls over. There's a hit on every single rock that they bounce off, mm. that kind of thing, right? And that's that's quite a weird exercise also because, mm, again, mm, mm, oh, and they actually wanted wah, 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 <laughs> which is I think the first thing that any director ever said to me is it's comedy, but I don't want any bloody wah, wah, wah. <laughs> um, and then there's music that goes across the scene in a sort of a neutral space that just creates a mood and isn't really, I guess, isn't actually telling you what to feel, mm. but is just setting a, a mood. Mm. And actually, old um, old Taika, he was, that's what he was into. Mm. It wasn't really shaped to the scene. It was like a, the music just is there. And it's, it's can't like be. It's like that white noise background for zoning out or zoning into. Yeah, yeah. Or setting a setting, some kind of setting a mood, but not leading you. Because mm. mm. that's I really do feel, and it might be because I I I knew you and was paying more attention. But I do feel like there is this wave of quite exciting stuff happening in a musical score. Like, um, yeah, like this idea that instead of being led or and even to the point where it felt like there were some new instruments coming in you know like we're you know we were watching some older films and it's very stringed and you know like I, I remember when I was a kid strings and piano yeah strings and piano and I think that it's so interesting to sort of bring in these newer sounds mm. and yeah, I don't know. It's it's really interesting I to mean, me. I mean, strings work though, don't they? That's the thing is people go there because mm. it just is immediately evocative. It's quite is, eh? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I'm just. I've just. I've just blown. You've blown my mind a little bit. <laughs> um, this idea of evocation and this idea of backdrop. I'm gonna go there, Cassandra. <laughs> I'm lucky enough to have read your novel which I really really love <laughs> sorry I hope it's okay to talk about this but I just wonder if the way that music works in there and the way that sound works in there and beat and all those sorts of things I just wonder it's kind of inter I'm, I'm sort of drawing a little bit of a you know similarity between a film score and something in a novel but I'm not sure that's the right way to be thinking about it anyway any <laughs> thoughts at all uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, novel unpublished. <laughs> um, novel failed. <laughs> um, it was one big fat experiment, and I really did want to see if I could put rhythm into the novel or use, uh, find a way to put my experience, my drumming experience, into a longer written mm. form. Um, by creating a scaffolding that was that used rhythms, and um, my kind of conclusion is that that doesn't work, <laughs> um, or at least some ways of doing it don't work. And partly, I tried to actually take very specific rhythms, like a one repeated little beat, you know, 
and see if I could use that to structure the way different characters appeared um, or different scenes were revisited. Um, so it's actually stretched over a really long time period. And that's the thing that doesn't work because you, it doesn't create that cosmic durational time that you get when you're within a cyclical beat that's recurring mm, mm. because you've got to go too far and your memory doesn't work in the same way that your body works when you're in a rhythm. It's just like you're reading language memory, mm, you know? Mm. It doesn't work. Um, that was what I concluded with what I was trying to do there. That said, uh, of course there are rhythmic things that work really well in long-form fictional writing and I think they're simpler things like um, just the recurrence of maybe a certain um, sensory experience, a certain sound or a certain um, visual, you know, thingy um, can have that effect of bringing you back and creating a cycle that um, switches up the time that you're working in from something linear to something more cyclical, mm. um, which I guess is the basic thing I was after, trying to get out of linear time and into that sense of a durational cyclic time, which is what rhythm does. Mm. Um, but because the written word, the long form thing, is just unavoidably linear, even when you're doing all sorts of things to fuck with it, mm. you know, you still start at the beginning of a book and end at the end of the book kind of thing. There's a real clash there. Mm. Uh, and I'm just like, you know, that was my first attempt to write a novel and I'm inexperienced and I, you know, it was just a good a bumpy learning curve for a bunch of things of what you can do and what you can't do. Mm. Yeah. I, I still love it and I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, I know, I totally hear what you're saying, I'm not minimising <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. but I just, I think it's, it's one of the most exciting things I've read in probably 10 years and I just, I, I think about it lots and Thanks, sometimes even. I'll try again. I, oh no, no, I mean you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking that's interesting, eh, like, because I often think that music is also linear but I was just thinking about the chorus and I was thinking the chorus does something weird yeah, doesn't it like it does such a different thing to time yeah, yeah like it's a whole new time loop it does start creates. to loop the chorus yeah don't you think or like when a song goes to a chorus yeah like because it's it returns to something similar and you're almost waiting for it and then it comes People and you just like, like repetition yeah come on it goes back to the greek chorus <laughs> <laughs> ancient grecian chorus ancient grecian chorus um. Shunts you out of one perspective, one um, proximity to whatever the story or feeling is, to a different, uh, perhaps more distant or more timeless view, <laughs> reminding you of a wider scheme of things. God, I think <laughs> I've just got a way more cynical <laughs> sort of a look on it, which is that um, it's a hook. That yeah that drags in the radio station program manager <laughs> so that they'll playlist the song but so that you can get $3.50 more yes. on your royalty check. <laughs> um, but that's not really how I really feel about that. Um, Hook. No, um, um, I just wanted to say I might offend you writer good. types here. But good, um, good. Please do. It probably isn't like – wouldn't you say that writing is – it's kind of like as cerebral as it – gets really isn't it i mean which is quite well i mean music can be very cerebral but it's quite a um it's pretty ambitious for you to go like it's to try to get a visceral thing like that because Squeeze it's it out very of the writing. yeah it's yeah i'd yeah i'm, in, I'm interested in that it sounds really amb ambitious 
and crazy, I'm really, deluded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested in what you're saying because I think this is such an interesting idea because it's almost saying, if, if I'm understanding right, like this is a head thing and there's a visceral, like music just goes. Well, um, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, there's very head music. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But I think that you're right. Like um, there's, there's this um, guy who I, there's a writer who I don't particularly like, but he talks a lot about the shortcut to the sublime and how that music, you know, like the first thing a child will do is make noise, you know, well, I don't know whose child, but, you know, like will thump on the ground or, and if you put on music, a child of any age will start to move and it's like it does get straight in there. And that's why I'm so interested in this word hook, like, Far out. Hey, we're just about finished. And I Whoa. just wondered. I know. It went so fast. And we talked about so many freaking cool things. I'm just going to check my list to make sure I haven't missed out any freaking cool things. I think we've talked about everything. Um, But one thing I have been doing with people is just asking what the last thing they listened to was. Like, um, it might be a sound out in the world or it might be a song that you listen to. Um, I've been, I was trying to think, I can't think what it was that I was listening to yesterday. But yeah, have you got, oh no, I do. The last thing I listened to was this extremely depressing um podcast called No Compromise which is about these people who think the NRA is not tough enough for people who want to have guns and believe that their guns rights are given to them by God and yeah that was depressing but yeah what did you No Compromise that's how I live as well yeah yeah man (laughs) we're all living out there there used to be a honey um there used to be a honey that had a big sticker on the lid that said no compromise (laughs) and then in in um capitals ever It always used to used no to kind of get me. Check this honey. This honey is <laughs> fucking badass, man. Fuck. It will do it. Mm. I think I was listening to PJ Harvey on the way here. Oh, Let nice. England Shake, which is really an amazing album, I think. I love that album so much. Mm. And like I feel like that's interesting, eh? Because there is so much in there where you think it's gonna go one way and it goes another way, and there's this like I don't know, like it's this like irritation or discomfort with it. And it's really, I don't know, I just love it. I just think it's fantastic. What was the last thing you mm. listened to? Um, I was just following a little thread of Aboriginal music on YouTube, um, like young hip hop and stuff. And so um, I've got a lovely friend who sends me clips and she sent me these clips. Um, so there was Dobby and his song, I Can't Breathe, which... You can guess what that's about. Um, and it's awesome. And it makes me cry every time. Um, and Barker um, for my titters. And um, these are both young hip-hop artists. And I just love the, the energy, that really raw, full power yeah, energy. It kind of cuts through, for me, my sort of, you know, the cerebral tendencies a bit like my son's voice at 3am yeah. <laughs> which I need it really does cut through yeah. I was gonna say Luke I hope you don't mind me saying this but the other thing I've been I love your new music video for Phoenix Foundation oh yeah Landline is such a great song mm. it's, a f- yeah, it's a cool video too it's like a really it. great video I like that. do you like did you like making that song <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> um yeah that's um uh, what you're talking, what just about listening to stuff that cuts through like like that, like 
I say that I listen to music for comfort, but like, I mean, I'd be, I'd listen to like, you know, to Sonic Youth for comfort. You know, it's not like you not. I'm not listening necessarily. Like, I don't mean it necessarily that um, you're always listening to Brian Eno to mm. calm, mm. Ca- mm. calm down. Sometimes it's actually like quite loud and intense that mm. can do that because it cuts. Mm. Like that's I've been listening a, a lot to Sonic Youth recently as well, and the best sort of best moments are like it's quite loud. Mm. And that's really dominates your being kind of thing, mm. which is, mm. I guess, different than young Aboriginal hip, hip, political hip hop. Yeah. That's like a yeah. different vibe and, mm. and entirely. But I, I, I guess that what I go for naturally is something that stops me from having to think and and worry, which is like that's probably not the star thing to yeah, stop you well, from thinking. Ab- no, and that's right. About no, the you've got to. I've got to seek that out when I'm in the mood. But for mm. my normal, I'm actually really pretty boring because I have the constant interruption yeah. the intensity of home life I can't even put headphones on because mm-hmm. you know you've got to be available um, I find that I need quite a nice normal soundtrack I listen to a lot of soul I listen to a lot of R&B mm-hmm. just something really soothing that can kind of accommodate the interruptions mm-hmm. and it's as if you know you're composing the whole soundscape of your life with the things that you can't control and then the things that you can to create your balance. Yeah, I, w- I was always on the lookout for things that were easy, easy listening, but not shit. Mm-hmm. When, <laughs> exactly. When, when exactly. my kids were, <laughs> yeah, were young. Yeah. And uh, and actually, I never forget sort of maybe six month old baby's reaction to Bob Dylan's harmonica playing was like, okay, we can't really play that. Like he was asleep, and then every time that Dylan played the harmonica, he'd, he'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, okay. <laughs> Tough audio. Maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll change that. that and it is incredible to be able to completely curate this sort of, I don't know, I always think of it like a fourth dimension or a fifth dimension, you know what I mean? Like it is, it is creating this whole different, yeah, like, and that's, you know, I just love it. I love it because you can mm. sort of be walking around and, you know, things look one way, but the world sounds a different way, which I think is just wonderful. Mm. Thank you both so much. This has been such a great talk. I feel Thank you, very Pip. inspired <laughs> and mind blown. Thank mm. you both. That was amazing. I'm just going to push stop. Okay. The exercise for today is I was wondering, anyway, this is the proposition I have for you. Maybe you'd like to record yourself from another room, um, speaking or calling a poem you like. Um, so what I was thinking was that if you set up your recorder in one room and then move yourself to another room and call out your work from there. Um, what interested me about this is that um, I expect that what that means is that um, the voice called from the other room will not be the um, primary sound in, in the recording. You might get some of the ambient noise of the other room in there. And I thought that could be interesting. So there you go. Pop your phone, put it on record, put it in the lounge, um, head outside and shout at it. And hopefully, um, yeah, just hopefully the neighbours won't get worried. But yeah, just see what that's like. Thanks, heaps. You can send um, exercises to the showcase. Um, I would love to get some exercises for the showcase. Um, Betterreadnz at gmail.com. Thanks, heaps.